crazy stuff happens every year. If it didn't, it wouldn't make sports so exciting. So don't be surprised by the team that was supposed to be bad that's good and vice versa. It happens every year. Hey everybody, welcome to Props and Hops, a betting and beer podcast powered by Dimers.com and part of Blue Wire Hustle. I'm Matt Landis, and in this episode, we've got the whole gang together from the new BetUS NFL show. I'm joined by NFL handicappers Las Vegas Chris and Scott Kellen. If you've listened to the past couple episodes of Props and Hops, odds are you've heard me mention the show I'm hosting with Chris and Scott, and from the get-go, they've been a joy to work with. It's become unmistakably clear that they're two of the sharpest minds in the space, and they've got the body of work to show for it. So we dive into that body of work, touching on their processes as betters, success they've had in prestigious contests, including some great thoughts on playing to profit versus playing to win, and we also touch on the importance of embracing variance, as well as some angles they're eyeing for this upcoming NFL season. And to wrap things up, we balance things out by bringing in the hops, plus the broader spectrum of beer and spirits. As a quick heads up, I recorded separate one-on-one interviews with Chris and Scott, and those will be dropping next week if you're listening on the day of this episode's release on Friday, August 20th. And speaking of the day of this episode's release, you'll be able to check out our NFC West preview today for the BetUS NFL show. You can find that via the YouTube and podcast links in the show notes. One more housekeeping note before we cut to my conversation with Chris and Scott. For free picks driven by analytics and thousands of simulations, check out the cutting-edge quick pick section over at Dimers.com. You can find that via the link in the show notes to see where you want to get down on the Dimers Bot's biggest edges across all the biggest sports. And now, enjoy my conversation with NFL handicappers Las Vegas Chris and Scott Kellen. Scott and Chris, welcome to Props and Hops. We're not working with a YouTube stream or a division preview agenda today, so the chains are off. Hey, Matt, it's great to be here. Thank you for having us and uh, excited and uh, love listening to everything you do uh, in the podcast area as well. It's great. Yeah, it's it's awesome to have you guys here. As listeners know, uh, at this point, we are also doing the Bet US NFL show. That's what brought us together in the first place pretty recently. And, and that has just been such a joy right out of the gates. And I think that we've tried to be clear about the goal with the show being to, you know, kind of align with the goal of this podcast in the sense of providing value for the audience with a focus on the process, trusting that in the long run, the process is the result. So to that end, um, and to give listeners a chance to match the voice to the name, Scott, maybe we can start with you here. I'd love it if you could elaborate on your process as a football handicapper and a little bit on where your approach stands right now with the NFL season right around the corner. Yeah, no, uh, it's a great question, Matt. Uh, I'll just say this, first of all, for my first of all, I think it's I think it's important for everyone to just have a process. Uh, It just helps you just from a mindset and think through games as each week comes across. But for me, for the biggest part of my process is really Sunday night. I like to get as much out of the way in terms of everything that I do uh, on Sunday night. So I have a pretty good idea of where I want to go throughout the week. Uh, you know, whether that's betting some stuff Sunday night, Monday morning, 
um, or just being in a position, both mind-wise, kind of a clear head of what I'm seeing for the week that's coming up so I can react fairly quickly if I have to, you know, whether it's injuries, line moves that are happening, uh, weather-related stuff. Uh, I just want to be, you know, ready for that. And that just helps me think through the week. Or I might be listening to somebody else like Chris, for example, that's very sharp and he likes something. And I already kind of know where I sit with that. Um, so for me, just from a process standpoint, it's really getting as much done as possible on Sunday night. Um, and then, you know, for the season, you know, the NFL season, we're in preseason, obviously. Uh, I'm just trying to make myself as familiar with the teams as possible to just get a start onto the season um, and, and just be ready to go once the season starts. Again, just trying to stay one step ahead of the market uh, from that standpoint in the early weeks before my numbers really kick in. Yeah, and Chris, I think it might be a little bit similar on your end. I know that you're not big into futures betting, but that doesn't mean you don't do your prep. You just also try to make sure that you've done your homework without compromising your ability to keep an open mind. Well, comically, uh, uh, I don't think you're aware of this, but I'm usually not in the country now. So uh, <laughs> I usually go into football season completely blind. I didn't make, I didn't start any NFL work until – uh, the last preseason week uh, last year. So uh, this is kind of unusual. And I, and I hope that I benefit from more awareness of each of the teams. Uh, like you mentioned, I don't want to, I, what I'm finding is I can really make a case for almost every team to do better or worse than anticipated. So I find it hard to really make a commitment toward futures either direction, because when you can make such strong, you can see so many different ways that, uh, that things could go well or go bad. I don't want to have the, the predisposition also that I have to root that team in that direction either. So the less complications you have betting a, an individual week, uh, the better. You don't want something coming in out of the back of your head going, oh, well, don't, you know, don't take the uh, Redskins under, uh, you know, because uh, you have this future, you know, something like that. Yeah. Well, when it comes to how you evaluate given bets, whether you're looking at a point spread or a total, I, I know that that dovetails with one thing that both of you have had a lot of success in over the years, and that would be some of the most prestigious contests in Vegas. And to that end, uh, again, Scott, we can kick it off with you, and I'd love to hear, Chris, from you as well. But if you could each describe your success in contests in the past and how that approach might differ from betting point spreads and totals like most bettors would be acclimated to throughout the course of a season. Yeah, you know, I, I had a fair amount of success in contests, um, you know, probably uh, I would say mid-2000s to, you know, mid-2015 or so uh, in and obviously I'm an NFL only handicapper for the most part. So, uh, you know, I'm only looking like at the super contests and stuff like that. And that's all sides. And for the longest time in the world, uh, the better part of my handicapping was on the sides. That's kind of shifted to the totals now. And of course those contests don't have totals anymore. So I haven't been in those last couple of years. Plus obviously they have spiked, uh, you know, with the, uh, uh, enrollments of, you know, contestants, uh, which just makes it obviously that much harder as well. Uh, but for the longest time when, you know, I felt like my side handicapping was better, I was in there and, you know, contests are different, obviously, where you might be rushing to play a, a game on Monday morning because you need to get the best line. Well, the one beauty a contest is, you know, if the deadline is 1 p.m. on a Saturday to get your picks in, 
you got all the way till Saturday to form an opinion and, and, you know, the line's not moving on you because those, those lines are obviously stale. So that, that's one thing, you know, that is different from just normal handicapping. I've always said a great contest would incorporate, allow you to get a line when you actually place your picks, because that's probably more real life. But, you know, uh, from a contest standpoint that there's some added benefit there. And the other thing in a contest, for example, is, um, you know, for example, if, um, a line is uh, a game is line minus three, minus 120. Well, in a contest, it's just minus three. There's some added benefits to numbers like that sometimes as well. You know, so those are other things I guess I would just throw out there, you know, from a contest standpoint as well. Yeah. And Chris, I wonder um, when, when you can pick up on that. Okay. If, if something's maybe a three minus 120 in the contest, you're just working with the number three, there might be a little bit of game theory involved because, okay. Yeah. The, the flat three is obviously valuable relative to the heavily juiced three but if a lot of the competition is going to pick up on the same angle you know you want to maybe stay away and at the same time if you do stay away are you compromising value for your own standing so how do you approach the different dynamics like that that are in play for some of these really big season-long contests well scott said the, the the big difference which is relaxing is you don't have the stress of having to decide uh, what you're going to pick or else the line moves. So uh, you had that comfort level. So I guess naturally uh, I just, I just try to do nothing for as long as possible and just to try to absorb as much information as possible. I, I don't dig into any picks until, you know, really close to uh, submittal time. And as you referenced because the lines are static, you can find some, quote, automatic value uh, that's there. But with those automatic value games, you're going to get a lot of other people on those uh, same games also. So in those situations, you may take those games to play defense if you're ahead. Uh, if you're behind, you certainly avoid those games. Uh, or you may just have to take them anyway because they're just too strong for you. So uh, there is a hell of a lot more thought involved in what games you are taking and what games you're not taking than people would think uh, if you are really contending for certain positions. Uh, you, you really have to be thinking about these things. And then if that's troublesome for you, then that's just an added problem of stress. It's like, well, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Am I supposed to be doing this? I, I know I'm not supposed to be following the line moves. But then again, I know that sometimes it's okay. And then when is it okay? And uh, you get a lot of that little conflict, uh, you know, sometimes of, well, I don't know about this. So, uh, I hate to ramble on. It's just, it's, it's not easy to explain. There is no quick explanation. There's just a lot of thought involved. And one strategy may only work once a year for you or twice a year. It's not just because you're not supposed to do something or you're supposed to do something doesn't mean it comes into play that often. The other thing that dynamic that's kind of changed in the last few years, these contests are going to more like four week mini contests and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, that that's a whole other animal in this because yeah, you could play de defensive or aggressive or contrarian because you need to move, but then, you know, do you shoot yourself in the foot because you're in a mini four week contest that you might be doing well. And so, uh, there's a few other dynamics that have been added to these contests, you know, by adding those layers and, you know, giving more opportunities to win money for people as well. You can blow out a tire on your whole season chasing a quarter prize uh, yeah. is, is, you know, an easier way to say that. And uh, also, you know, near the end of the season, uh, 
here, here's why I have an advantage over people in a contest, uh, I believe, is I don't play to get in the money. And I think too many people play to get into the money. They worry about the money. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes you can make is just trying to get into the money. I would have had entirely different results if I was just trying to hold my spot or trying to preserve or winning a certain amount of money. Uh, you know, I played to win. I played aggressively and it, you know, it could have gone really bad for me. And that's the way it is for people that are right there. It's just like a poker tournament trying to get in the money. And what happens to those people? They usually get uh, chipped out, uh, you know, uh, trying to play it too safe. And it just doesn't work. You have to play to win. That's my best advice. Yeah, I love that. It reminds me of a conversation I had with the past week's guest on Props and Hops, Christopher Harris, a fantasy football expert. Chris, I know you're not a fantasy guy, but <laughs> one thing we talked about was the notion of roster turnover. And last season, I was in a pretty shallow league where I had drafted Justin Jefferson very late and he got off to a slow start and I ended up cutting him to add somebody else. And oh, right no. after that, he broke out. And that's the kind of move that you always remember when it backfires. But in a lot of cases, what people do is they fear those repercussions. So they hold somebody too long. And there's a little bit of bias toward the player that you drafted, regardless of the objective results that you've seen so far. And I think a parallel to contests could be that notion of just wanting to finish in the money. And one time, maybe you get aggressive, you're playing to win and it backfires on you. And that can kind of snap people back into the train of thought of, hey, I'm just going to play it safe and, and try to squeeze out a little bit of profit versus the understanding that the plus EV play can often be, no, it's okay to be aggressive and you need to accept up front. That's going to backfire sometimes. So acknowledge that's on the table, but also just go for it because when it doesn't backfire, it can give you a major leg up on the competition because everybody else is a little bit too scared to make the same moves. I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, uh, it, it, you know, and, and you kind of touched on something that just kind of brought to, to my memory uh, about uh looking back at these games and how in need of luck we are. I've gone through my last six years of every play I've made over the last couple of months. And you remember a lot of those plays. And just last year, you remember how many times I, I was going through, how many times I got lucky. I mean, trust me, we always remember these bad beats, but we don't remember how many times we actually got some good breaks. And, uh, if, you know, going back and reviewing what you did the previous year, whether it be in a contest or in your betting, save that information and review it. Uh, you may not need it right away, but somewhere down the road, you're going to find some value in, in the patterns uh, and, and just the way you did it. I, I, I'm just shocked by some of the stuff that I found uh, just reviewing each of the plays over the last six years. Yeah, I think that's a great point uh, to transition this into more standard weekly betting that a lot of bettors are accustomed to. I still haven't fully gotten over the Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary in Detroit years ago because I, I had the under on that game, game and it was the way. Golden. I was at that, I was at oh, that game. I have, I have you to blame for it. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Scott's the new culprit and Chris is the resident Lions fan. Um, I, I guess I can shift some of my blame to both of you guys because that – that hurt. I was listening to that game on the radio. Uh, I, I almost drove off the highway. As soon as Aaron Rodgers lofted that Hail Mary, I think it was Kevin Harlan in the call, if I'm not mistaken. And just the way he described it before it was even caught, it was this majestic, high spiraling, like it was the most opulent description I've ever heard of a Hail Mary. And, and right then I was like, oh boy, this just doesn't feel right. 
Um, obviously a little bit of hindsight bias because we know how it ended and, and that can be really tilting, but to Chris's point, we don't want to let that get in the way of, you know, the bigger picture perspective. Like, yes, you will catch those bad breaks from time to time. It's part of the deal when you're doing this, but if you play enough volume, you're also going to get a lot of good breaks. Those can be easy to forget, but they're probably way more important to remember than the tough losses that we can all recall offhand. Yeah. And I think, you know, someone once told me, you know, the harder you work, um, you know, the luckier you get and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, however you want to define luck, but I do think the more prepared you are and the better your processes and whatnot, sometimes you almost find yourself getting into lucky situations just because you're doing the right things, right? Like when you do the bad things, the wrong things, I should say, it kind of almost creates some bad luck. And obviously there's just, there's just bad luck in general. It just happens. Of course, the ball is, is a, is a weird shape and, you know, bounces funny and all that kind of stuff. But I do think the more you can do the right things, I think a lot of times that luck tends to bounce your way over the long haul. Uh, and there's something to be said for that as well, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we can parlay that into a, a quick topic of any bets or angles that you guys have in mind for this coming season. And when I mentioned possible bets to share, uh, or, or of course, any angles without over you know sharing your hands, I'd like to stipulate that the process is the focus, not the picks. We want to try to teach the audience how to think more like winning betters. Um, again, a lot of alignment with what we're trying to do with the Bet US NFL show. So when you think just top line, what you're looking at right now, a few weeks before the NFL season kicks off, uh, what stands out in your guys' minds? Well, I'll, I'll just throw this out there, Matt. You know, I do a lot with totals. I'm not going to get into the exact specifics of this, but um, but I think there's enough um, to hang your hat on to just kind of, you know, have in the back of your mind. Uh, there are certain points within the season that divisional totals, and again, there's some other parameters here, but not a whole lot of parameters, but divisional totals have a tendency to go more under than over at certain points in the season. And just keep that in mind, right? And and I think, and yes, the market can catch up to that, but that 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 situation has been profitable for, I go all the way back to 1983, and this thing has been profitable most of the years going back that far. So it has stood the test of time. And yes, the, the market can kind of correct to it a little bit, but at the end of the day, why does that happen? Uh, generally because these teams know each other so well, um, that game is just played a little bit differently in a lot of those circumstances. And like I said, there are some other parameters within that, but if you just keep in mind, just from a total perspective, divisional totals typically have a tendency to go more under than over um, and just you know, and use that information um, to maybe help you from a total standpoint. Uh, I think there's something there that will help people in the long run as well. Yeah, I love it. I think a lot of times something that's tough to remember when we hear that insight now over the course of the season is we're getting divisional rematches. Sometimes that might happen in, I don't know, week eight or nine. Uh, if it's the NFC East this year, we're going to see a lot of teams playing each other maybe for the first time pretty late and then for the second time a few weeks later. Or I know that Baltimore and Cleveland go head to head twice in a span of three weeks. So some good food for thought there. It's not a an angle necessarily to endorse betting blinds, but there are definitely spots throughout the season where um, just keeping that in mind, it, it's going to stand out at certain points and could very well be worth acting on. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. Chris, anything on your end as we approach kickoff for the 2021 season? 
You know, I, I don't have anything specific, but I just prefer to, to mention things that uh, you can carry with you. And that is uh, stuff happens, I, I, you know, keep an open mind. I know I keep repeating myself. I have to figure out a way to say it differently, but there, there crazy stuff happens every year. If it didn't, it wouldn't make sports so exciting. So don't be surprised by the team that was supposed to be bad that's good and vice versa. It happens every year. So, um, you know, be ready to pivot, uh, but don't overreact. Uh, you know, obviously week two and week three are overreaction, you know, uh, weeks where everybody overreacts to everything. And, and you don't want to be doing that either. But uh, uh, sometimes it's just best to sit back and relax. It's a long season. And th there's no reason to start it off poorly and dig yourself into a hole. Sit back, evaluate, be comfortable, uh, and, and just be responsible. And, and make, you know, wait until you have a grasp on stuff. Uh, you know, the books have to put lines on everything. It doesn't mean you have to bet everything. I, I think that, 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 you know, that's where the most value is to be found, you know, in my opinion. It's just kicking, sitting back. The, the best bets are the ones that you don't make. Yeah, and I think that, um, it can be really tempting a lot of times. We're excited. The season's just beginning to, you know, fire away. And that could work out really well or it could work out really poorly. But I, I think that the bottom line is if you're being responsible and, you know, kind of betting in moderation, that's the best way to set yourself up for success over the long haul. And I think no matter how repetitive that feels for you, I think that, you know, pretty much any better, maybe all three of us included, we, we can't hear that enough. It's, it's just a lesson that's worth repeating. So I wouldn't worry for a second about that feeling redundant in any way. And I think that that notion of sitting back, relaxing and being responsible can also be a, a nice segue to the final thing I want to address with all three of us here. And that would weave in the other pillar of this podcast, of course, the hops. So what would you guys say are your favorite beers or, or maybe if it's not beer, but, but a nice drink to enjoy while you're watching a game or perhaps rooting in a bet? Chris, you want to go first? Oh, well, I'm a, well, I'm kind of uh, I, I respect everybody's right to drink whatever they want. So <laughs> I'm not much of a beer drinker, but uh, I am a Jim Beam kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 uh, I'm open to drinking anything, but uh, I, I, I I stayed away from beer because of the calories and I, uh, I I I don't know. I just always gravitated to whiskey and bourbons and stuff like that and. Sometimes uh, when I'm in Asia, I, I, they have nothing but beer. And I guess one beer that stood out to me was uh, a beer Lao Dark from Laos, of all places. And I've had a bunch of people try that beer, and they love it. I mean, they, they really did. It's a, uh, and uh, it's, a, it's, it's sort of like how Adam brought up uh, in his conversation. Sometimes you associate a taste with an environment. So maybe there has uh, something to do with that, and it has some sort of a uh, a stimulus like that, uh, where you marry the two uh, into something better than it is. But uh, uh, so for a beer, I'll go with beer loud, dark, but uh, I'm, I'm a Jim Beam guy normally. I love it. An open-minded drinker as well as an open-minded better. <laughs> Scott, I know you've got a pretty good routine when you're able to get to Hawaii on occasion as well. Yeah, first of all, and I, I'm, I do drink beer, but there's nothing exciting with my, and actually I was in Hawaii one time ordering a light beer. And I think the guy asked me why I don't, why I just don't drink water or something. Right. So, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll move on from the beer, but the Hawaii, you know, I go to Hawaii every year. Uh, first of all, if you're ever in Maui, 
the Wailea Golf Club is a fantastic place to go watch games. They have the bar there, I think it's called the 19th hole or something, but it's an open air bar that overlooks the ocean. So it's fantastic. There's a lady that every time I've been there, she comes with her little cowboy, little doll that she has dance every time the Cowboys score. Uh, so that's always entertaining. But, you know, if you watch games in Hawaii, they start at 7 a.m. Uh, at least at this golf club, can't drink alcohol from 7 to 8. So you'll start with whatever, maybe some coffee or something. Uh, 8 o'clock, you know, it's pretty early in the morning. So I like to start with a, you know, Bloody Mary. Uh, and then, you know, when you get into the next set of games, you're kind of into lunch. So you kind of need to change the routine. So then maybe it's a Tito's water and lime, uh, something along, along those lines. And I don't really, I don't drink on Sundays during football season. Uh, cause obviously I'm betting and, and then you got work to do, but if I'm in Hawaii, uh, I'm not betting necessarily. So, uh, that works. And you know, if I'm at home late at night and I am actually watching something, then that's just like a Johnny Walker black or something over a big, large ice cube and just sit back and relax. So that that's my style. Yeah, I love it. I think there's a couple of good parallels there. One to Chris's point, also referencing what Adam Chernoff brought up recently on the show, pairing a drink to the environment. I mean, if you're if you're going through that progression in Maui, then it almost doesn't matter what you're drinking. It still probably can't be beat in many scenarios. And also when you mentioned, you know, whether it was like starting with getting some pushback on light beer, which, you know, kind of like Chris, I'll just say that I I think people should be able to enjoy whatever they want. I know it's you know, easy sometimes for people to come across as a bit of a beer snob. And as much as I appreciate the nicest beer out there, I will try to never get in the way of somebody opening up something that they want to enjoy in that moment. And that reminds me of one of the final text messages I ever received from the late, great David Malinsky. Uh, we were talking about getting together and it was not in a beer context, but I think it works here. His words were, it takes a full spectrum to make the proper life portfolio. So that whole progression in Maui, it just sounds like you can't get much better than that. And Chris, also to your point with the beer from Laos or Jim Beam, you know, it's it's okay to dip in and out of different lanes and, and really go ahead and enjoy that full spectrum. Cool. Well, on that note, guys, I think for uh, the best conversation and listening experience from here, we can go ahead and break out into one-on-ones with each of you for a deeper dive. So I'll take a moment while we're all together to let listeners know they can follow Scott on Twitter at Sixth Sense NFL, Chris at Las Vegas, Chris. And uh, yeah, we'll be back soon with each of you guys. Uh, Scott, Chris, thanks for your time. And I will talk to you again shortly. Thanks, Matt. Thanks. Goodbye. Thanks again to Chris and Scott. If you enjoyed our conversation, the number one way you can support Props and Hops is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. A close second would be to check out the new BetUS NFL show with Chris, Scott, and myself. We've got the NFC West preview coming your way today. You can check that out via the YouTube and podcast links in the show notes. And if you'd be interested in a real-time conversation with me and the Dimers.com community of more than 1,100 fellow bettors and counting, join us for free on Discord. I've also dropped a link to that in the show notes. And otherwise, that'll do it. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you early and often next week with my one-on-ones with Chris and Scott, plus some bonus bite-sized interviews with some of the best bettors in the game from Jersey City, where I'll be attending Bet Bash hosted by Spanky. As always, until then, let's bet well, let's drink well, and let's be well. (laughs) 